everyone. It's time to sip coffee and talk pharmacy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first episode ever. Welcome to our pharmacy and coffee first episode ever. Congratulations, congratulations to us. So my name is Dr. Farooz Shiraz. I'm a pharmacist from Victoria. And with me, I have Dr. Monique Terrio from Penticton and my best friend, whoop whoop, Dr. Coco Todora from Fort St. John. We're three relatively new pharmacists practicing in community in different parts of BC. At the time of this recording, it is August 9, 2020. It has roughly been about five months since everything shut down in mid-March due to COVID-19 pandemic. And as you all might have experienced in some way or another, everything as we know has changed. So COVID-19 absolutely has taken a toll on everybody. Uh, it has taken many lives all around the world. So we decided, you know what, uh, why not share our reflection on that? Um, this was something that, you know, to say that it was unexpected would be really underplaying it. It was something that none of us saw coming ever. Uh, things are now slowly opening up and life is re resuming to this new normal. So we decided to take the time and reflect on our individual experiences as community pharmacists. So this is going to be a uh, part one of three part episode where we'll be discussing the beginning of the pandemic uh, and the effect on community pharmacists on the front line. So I'll hand it over to Dr. Monique Terrio and Dr. Coco Todorov to talk to us about their experience. So just starting off with Monique, um, can you tell me a little bit about the community you serve in Penticton and you know what, a little bit about yourself. So Monique, tell me when you started, uh, you know, being a pharmacist i actually started last year august 24th wow congratulations and what about yourself coco um august 1st was my first shift last year august 1st last year uh, wow that's awesome congratulations you guys for myself i actually started in january 2020 and i thought it was gonna be a wonderful year to start off <laughs> with. but hey it's okay no. we're all here we're all kicking butt and yeah so monique uh, what kind of community do you serve in Penticton? Uh, so Penticton is a small city. It's primarily retirees. It's uh, an absolutely gorgeous location to come and visit if you guys ever do want to come visit. Uh, rolling hills, there's lakes on either end of the city. If you get tired of one sand beach, you just drive five minutes and you're at another sand beach. You've got wine country in Naramata, and Penticton is itself um, the beer capital of Canada. Wow, that sounds like a really nice place. And how about yourself, uh, Coco? Uh, what does the community in Fort St. John look like? I think I heard Fort St. John might be the volunteering capital of Canada. That's, that's amazing. Volunteering is very, very yeah. uh, important. I don't know where I read it. I, You know what? I hope that's true. No, 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 no. Wait, you know what? No, it's one of the surrounding towns. That's the volunteering capital of uh, Canada but it's close to the volunteering capital. So Fort St. John, where I work, is close to the volunteering capital of Canada. Perfect. So you neighbor the mo the volunteering capital of Canada. That's amazing. But can you tell me a little bit more about the community you serve in uh, yeah, Fort St. John? Yeah, definitely. So it is a very interesting community. Um, so it's a, it's, a very, it's a pretty busy pharmacy where I'm at. Uh, we're at, uh, the really cool thing about this uh, little town is that it's at crossroads with Alberta. Like the Alberta border is about two hours um, away. 
and uh, really mm. this part of BC more resembles Alberta in terms of you know politic wise um, uh, like the type of jobs there are like the type of mindset culture people have then you know BC and the lower mainland so well that's awesome I, I know that you're from Alberta so do you feel more at home than Vancouver uh, yeah, yeah definitely it's pretty cold just like Calgary the temperature is always just like Calgary people even want to be Albertans here so it's basically just like Calgary just a smaller part of it uh, the really cool thing is um, it's a small town and it is it is a crossroads with Alberta so patients demand a lot when it comes to pharmacist scope um, okay that's yeah. that's great that that means that there's an opportunity to do more than just dispense pills am I correct or no what? definitely uh, there's very few physicians here, and uh, there's no walk-in clinics. Wait, That's what? interesting. Wow. Yeah. So there, there's actually no walk-in clinics. People have to use, um, you know, the online resources like an online um, uh, one of the virtual exactly. walk-in clinic. Oh, that's like Babylon. Yeah. Okay. So Babylon Maple Health. That's basically a go-to in here, and. With like the older residents, basically you get ill, you go to the hospital, which is very strange to us. Absolutely. Like, wouldn't that be counterproductive, um, especially when you think about, um, you know, healthcare resources, if you mm -hmm. go to the hospital, much longer waits and wow, that's, I, I feel like we can literally have an entire podcast episode dedicated to care in Fort St. John. That's so interesting. No, definitely. So yeah, you have to use like tele telehealth. Like it's, it's an, um, wow. an integral part of, uh, you know, getting healthcare in Fort St. John. But yeah, like the older residents who don't have cell phones or some of the more, you know, people who are on social assistance and such, a lot of them don't have cell phones, like data plans, so they can't really access a mobile device. Um, so they just go to the hospital. Mm. It's definitely something to talk about. I think we'll definitely have an episode, especially talking about these kind of remote areas. Um, so compared to both of your um, experiences in the communities you serve, um, so for me, I serve the communities in Victoria that are largely made up of retirees and young families. So two different spectrums and their needs are totally different at different times. Right. So it's very interesting. It puts a pharmacist, um, on the, basically on, on the line of like doing different things, which can be exciting. Um, and allows pharmacists like myself, who's pretty new to keep growing, keep developing and just tackling things. So every single day is, is an adventure. That's what I would say. Um, so kind of going back on track here. So Monique, uh, how did COVID-19, uh, experience started for you? Uh, it was actually really interesting in, uh, March, about mid-March, we were having a staff party, uh, on the mm -hmm. Sunday and I had worked that day and everybody was asking, so how was the workflow? Has this COVID thing come to Penticton yet? Uh, has it affected anything? Did it, was it any kind of different day for you? And it was just, no, it was a Sunday. There wasn't anything like out of the ordinary. And then Monday came the very next day and it was just like absolute chaos. Oh God. Yeah, just one of those situations where the fax machine did not stop. 
every single line on the phones were ringing the entire day just people in absolute chaos screaming at us about thermometer conspiracies and it just it was it's just the complete difference between night and day mm-hmm. for sure yeah i i can totally agree uh but uh coco how does uh your experience differ from uh, monique's how did covid19 start for you in fort st john well because we're so remote and it's it's, it's up north right um people some people here can be pretty conservative you know a lot of people are like i don't believe in this i don't believe in that um and you know even us as staff members we actually didn't really think because we we kind of live in a bubble like a bubble away from the big centers away from the lower Mm -hmm. mainland away from you know the edmonton calgary area uh we're kind of in the middle but uh basically it was like you know, you start to hear things in December of last year. We're like, it's never going to come mm-hmm. here. Um, but mm, to be honest, not much has changed in Fort St. John. Like to compare it to a bigger center, I was in Calgary a month ago. And compared to there in Fort St. John, very few people wear masks. People don't really obey social distancing advice put into place. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, like most people have more or less forgotten that we're still in a pandemic, like currently. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely touch on that mm-hmm. one a little bit more. What I understood from what you're saying is that for you, because you guys are in this uh, remote area, not really much happened in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, for Monique and Pendicton, it was just it was just chaos. And I think I can relate more to Monique's um, experience where in Victoria, I don't know what day it was. It was just chaos in general. <laughs> but then it was just it was just even more. And I kind of just got in there I'm like, I don't know what's happening. You know, keep my head down, keep focused. People were, again, asking for masks, asking for hand sanitizers, faxes would keep coming in left and right. Um, And uh, it was just it was just chaos. It was just chaos. And I think a lot of the things that I was doing is basically calming, trying to calm people down, um, trying to just, you know, keep everybody rational mm-hmm. um meanwhile trying to get the workflow going it was just a, a disaster to begin with so those were kind of i guess how we all started uh, our covid19 experience and how they differed um i know that there were a lot of issues that i experienced uh, right away uh such as like people trying to stockpile medication some people were trying to like you know force us uh, to give them emergency supplies of like inhalers that they haven't used in years. Uh, the public, you know, did not understand that we only received a limited amount of regular stock. So mm-hmm. there was like masses of people getting upset, getting scared. Uh, and and I get it, you know, when you don't know what's happening, you will get uh, very scared, and you want to, you know, basically do the survival method thing, but. You know, it was kind of counterproductive. Um, so was, there was a lot of, like you said, mass amount of phone calls about masks, hand sanitizer, and even toilet paper. Like, still, I don't understand why. They were phoning so, the pharmacy about toilet paper? Oh, God, they were phoning the pharmacy about everything and anything. And oh. every week there was something new. So I'll go a little bit more about that. But So, like, how, how did you handle those kind of phone calls, Monique? Like, 
how did you handle all this like stockpiling issues, emergency supplies, hand sanitizers, masks, people hands- just being yeah <laughs> oh my God. uh well I, we actually one of the staff members who had left our pharmacy that that's why we were having that staff party on the sunday mm-hmm. uh, she had left us for a compounding pharmacy mm. so we made so many referrals to go to that compounding pharmacy and go get your hand sanitizer and i think for weeks the first couple of weeks that she was on that job all she did was hand sanitizer Wait, they were compounding hand sanitizer they were compounding yeah. hand sanitizer yeah. yeah, I I think uh, one of the other pharmacies I work for, um, they definitely were compounding. They I think they stopped compounding hand sanitizers maybe a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it was like heavily in need. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. Going back to you, Monique. Yeah. So what else did you do besides refer people? Uh, well, we tried doing the one month at a time, and for a while there, like we had to because we were mm-hmm. running out of stock. Uh. We crunched the numbers one day just to see like how bad it actually was and we were getting 12% of our order. Oh wow. Whenever yeah like whenever we tried to put in an order for more drugs like we received 12%. It was really bad like we almost ran out of salbutamol. Oh god Mm -hmm. yeah for sure. Uh, What about you Coco how did you handle that? Like all these crazy things happening at the same time. Yeah just to add like basically I think all those things happen is the exact same thing that happened in Fortune John maybe a little bit later like a couple weeks. So there was some lack. Oh okay. Yeah so not like it didn't happen. Because you guys are. Yeah there was a little bit of lack time. Uh, But I basically did the exact same thing Monique did. Like we tried to do the one month thing but people were not happy yeah. about it Definitely yeah not. so how, how did i know there I, I know like i read a lot of like i read a i think a online um like a post uh, or even like a ctv like review or article on this emergency supply or this like supply of 30 mm-hmm. 30 days mm-hmm. what did you guys think about that one? did you guys read that one well, there, there was, like, multiple newspaper articles and whatnot around that time of, like, why should the patients pay three times the amount for dispensing fees and whatnot? Um, right. Yeah, so, Coco, what did you think about that? Like, how did you deal with I don't with think that? I read the article, but... Okay. Um, so so the so the article just to kind of was basically just saying that, you know, it kind of made out pharmacists to be mm. gouging. Uh, because we are charging three times the dispensing fee. Um, but it was just like saying that we were just, you know, gouging prices. We were charging people extra without even taking into consideration that we were not getting mm-hmm. our stock. We were, um, you know, trying to limit everything because of this mm-hmm. pandemic that was going on that nobody saw coming. If we were still giving out, you know, a three-month supply to everybody, which, by the way, my pharmacy never stopped doing. One of the pharmacies mm. that I work at never stopped doing because you're a st- smaller pharmacy. But if you go to a bigger pharmacy where, you know, you guys have, like, way more patients, if you guys, you know, go there and they, they everybody's still doing 90-day supplies, you will run out of stock. Not because mm-hmm. it's a sh- shortage. It's because everybody's stock trying pile. to, like, mm-hmm. stockpile yeah and and that's exactly and people didn't understand and what i didn't like about those articles was just that they really made it sound like oh my god we're gouging prices we are making it unaffordable for people 
one of the article the article one of them mentioned that in Ontario where 65 mm-hmm. and older who have a limited income would be you know it, it, their cost of medications would go up like 300% or something and that's not true i i i'm from ontario i used to work as an assistant and if you're 65 and older you're literally paying $4.11 per prescription or you're paying zero depending on your income so that just makes no sense at all and i got really upset at those things we are you know pharmacists working we haven't stopped we aren't working from home we are literally there seeing everybody face to face Mm-hmm. Every single day we haven't stopped and we're taking these measures to make sure that we don't run out of stock because we are not getting stock and to have this, you know, thrown at our face was just I was just like really really upset. I was like, "Hey, come on. What's going on here?" Yeah. Yeah. Anybody the, else? One of go the ahead. things that I tried doing was to try to approach it on like a case-by-case basis. Like go through the prescriptions and say, we literally only have one month supply of this medication and this medication and this medication that I can provide you. I cannot give you 90 days because I cannot guarantee that we'll actually get the medication in if we order it. Fair. It could be two days. It could be four weeks. I don't know. What I can give you is one month. And if you're having Fair. issues paying with it, here's a handout. Fair Care Pharmacare. It takes 10 minutes. You can apply to it online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Coco, did you have anything different or? Mm. So, yeah, basically we did a lot. Um, we did a lot like, uh, like Monique's team. Um, like it would be a case by case basis. Uh, we even had people mm-hmm. come and swear at us that we were crooks. Then they Ooh. would storm off and they would come back with a letter apologizing. So you kind of have to, you know, sympathize with some of the people. Uh, you know, people are getting scared. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of them were trying to stockpile. But yeah, basically we would for um, what is it like maybe like all, the whole time of the pandemic has been going by quickly, I feel like. But maybe for two months or so, we were doing 30 day supply uh, mm-hmm. because of the stock yeah. issues. And if people complain about cost and such, like uh, we did not have. Like, the, my boss didn't have too much trouble about waiving the dispensing fee when needed. Hey, that, that, yeah, that's a really good strategy mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like also not fair because, you know, you're doing that amount of work and mm-hmm. it's always expected that you give them some sort of a cutoff. But I understand it's an unprecedented time. You know, these are strategies that some pharmacies came across, and that's totally fine and totally mm-hmm. legitimate. Um, talking about strategies that other pharmacies did, uh, so I know like some pharmacies started opening their pharmacies one hour for seniors. Um, what other strategies do you guys think? Uh, do you guys think um, that other pharmacies took that were a really great approach? So, for example, like essential, like priority lineup for essential workers. How did you guys think about that? We didn't actually have a lineup for essential workers. We just had the uh, one hour at the start of the day for um, immunocompromised and elderly. And then we had one hour at the very end of the day for essential workers. Okay. And what about you, Coco? Uh, What strategies, particularly for lineup, did uh, did you guys Uh, take any at all? So we did have the one hour at the start. So like seven to, we usually open the store at eight. We had uh, seven to eight was our... um, 
you know, people with immunocompromised, uh, you know, systems and seniors that could come in and shop, uh, you know, risk free, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but we mm-hmm. also did advertise a lot that um, essential workers could come in and uh, have priority over anybody else if they were to come into the pharmacy. But I never even saw anyone like that, uh, like even mm. take advantage. I think, yeah. For sure, yeah. Well, well that's the, really one good. One of the questions that comes up is if they are essential workers, their hours probably were just crazy at the beginning of the pandemic. and they, For sure. I, I can't imagine one of them being like, oh, I'm not going to go in at such and such a time. I'm going to go buy toilet paper instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. That's... Uh, so for the pharmacy I work at, because it is an because it is an independent one, um, what we did was to try help out with the workflow. We reduced our hours, um, and then we we really didn't have any priority lineup because we just we just kind of took it as by reducing that hour or or two hours of our time, we were able to better manage the workflow, uh, and then s- serve the patients uh, in a timely manner. Uh, we also did a lot more deliveries. I remember, mm-hmm. like, wow, the deliveries just went from, like, you know, oh, I don't know, like, 20 or 30 or 40 a day to, like, mm, 80 a day, which is right. crazy. Mm-hmm. So, something like, yeah, so something that's crazy. But, you know, it was necessary. And it was one of the man- one of the strategies that they, uh, they came up with and, you know, worked really well. Um, for safety measures, uh, what do you think, uh, what, we, what do you think we did that was... Uh, you know, a good thing, or what do you think some pharmacies could have done better? Uh, like, for example, like Coco, what did you guys do for safety-wise uh, to try and make it as safe as possible for pharmacists and also for the patients and also for your team members? Uh, well, um, the the best thing that we did for sure was uh, at each counseling counter or like an intake counter, we put um, like plexiglass. So mm-hmm. even though you you um i mean you get you get used to it but you have a little bit of trouble hearing the patient and the patient and vice versa goes both ways but um it was really good like basically people will be sneezing after the end of the day you can see that the plexiglass was disgusting and i'd rather all those things being on the plexiglass than my face fair yeah that's absolutely um, fair yeah plexiglass is definitely something we use as well Sorry, Sorry go ahead. What the else? other thing what else is, um, safety-wise, um, you know, my boss uh, provided us all with disposable masks as well as non-disposable masks that we could wash. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we also stopped, basically, as soon as the pandemic hit, we stopped all vaccinations and um, so, uh, strep throat uh, swabs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a smart one. And what about you, Monique? Uh, what else? What did you guys do for measures, safety measures? Uh, we also have the safety or the plexiglass uh, intake, outtake. Basically, our entire pharmacy now is boxed in by safety <laughs> glass or the, the mm. plexiglass. Uh, we have somebody who goes around every hour to clean the, the, the plexiglass because I, I don't know if, if with you guys, but I find that a lot of people when they come up to the booth they don't see it and they hit it with their heads you know what's funny my wife 
who's also a pharmacist, Tiskia Hassan, who might be joining us, uh, she said the same thing. And she mm-hmm. says that she laughs every time because everybody keeps hitting their heads on it. I haven't experienced that because we do have like a, um, uh, we have tape to say, you know, s- stand here um, mm-hmm. and do that. So um, that kind of prevents them from like coming too close. Yeah, before um, we got the plexiglass, we had tape like, that mm-hmm. would keep them such a distance away from the counseling mm-hmm. booths. Uh, mm-hmm. But people would like r- just rip it down and come up to the counseling booth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've seen some uh, memes about people not, you know, using plexiglass properly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, like, uh, like just exactly as you said, you know, we have somebody coming uh, every hour to clean up, uh, sanitize everything as well. Mm-hmm. The plexiglass, the entire pharmacy, we have the masks. We do also in one of the other pharmacies that I work at. I work at many pharmacies. Let's put it that way. Uh, one of the other ones that I work at, um, uh, we do take a, a temperature measurement uh, before uh, we start our shift and after we uh, finish. Hmm. Um, just a way of kind of, you know, just, just an extra precaution, um, because, you know, we really don't know what to expect. Um, so that's one of the things we do. Um, and we do have hand sanitizers. We also have, a, a an alarm set every hour reminding us to wash our hands. So yes, my hands are chapped and they are extremely oh, dry, same here. Mm-hmm. but it's okay. So what you do is you put on, um, not hand sanitizer. You put on hand lotion yeah. before you put on a pair of gloves. Oh. So and it that soaks. way uh, the the cream does not mm-hmm. evaporate and yeah it soaks straight into your skin. Oh I see. the The reason I don't use gloves is because you know the whole thing about like if I'm using gloves to clean to touch things and you know then I am not getting rid of the glove right away. Mm-hmm. Then I'm contaminating mm-hmm. whatever. But I guess, you know, you can always make the argument like, okay, but you're sanitizing everything every hour. So I just don't use it. If I feel that my hands, you know, require sanitization, I just use the uh, sanitizer. And if it's really, really soiled, then I'll just go and uh, wash my hands again with soap and water Mm -hmm. and then go back to, you know, doing whatever I was doing. Um, Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of good stuff we talked about. Um... You know, every week I felt that there was a new challenge from the beginning till we till now. I felt that every week there was something new coming across. Um, there was the week about hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Then there was another week about ibuprofen and stopping all NSAIDs, which is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. There was also another week about stopping blood pressure medications like Ravipril or Candesartan. And then there was the other week about acetaminophen or Tylenol shortage. So how did you guys, um, you know, what did you guys think about these recommendations that came from low level of evidence? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to refer here to Monique to kind of explain us a little bit about evidence, just briefly, what is randomized controlled trials and what are anecdotals and what level of evidence those are and kind of go ahead. All right. So the the first thing to consider is like the expression level of evidence. Um, One thing to, um, if if you're listening to this podcast and you're not into um, evaluating studies and whatnot, the the whole idea of a different level of of evidence may be completely foreign. So basically when there is evidence that comes up, uh, they're graded accordingly. Uh, Some are ranked as higher importance than others. Others aren't considered as important. 
so a randomized control trial would be kind of on the higher level end. It's like when you hear of a drug company that puts you know $2 million into their study. They have 10,000 patients. They have different groups of um, that they're studying and whatnot. So that is like there's so much put into that that it's, it is ranked much higher versus anecdotal, which would be uh, my neighbor's grandma's cousin did this thing one time and it was good like it's it's not as strong or as powerful and so it would not be considered or ranked as important fair fair so yeah um thanks for explaining that uh you did a really good job on that so you know like these these like recommendations from physicians um or things that we saw on the news that came out every week like what did you guys think about that i personally was just like come on how can you make these recommendations i get it there's covid19 is brand new take all the precautions necessary but also come on you know for me i know for a fact that we stop blood pressure medications like ramipril candesartan uh, or even stop non-steroidal anti-inflammatories when somebody's critically ill. Um, nothing to do with COVID-19. You're really critically ill, you're in the hospital, we will stop these medications because uh, when you're critically ill, these medications can have an effect on your kidney. We mm-hmm. know this. We're healthcare professional, drug experts, we know this. So to kind of go off and just say things like that just made things even more difficult. Um, and really, I would have patients come up to me just saying, hey, so my physician told me to stop my Ramipril and I would have to kind of like, you know, re-educate them on why this might be the case um, and why they shouldn't stop it. Uh, what I really liked was that, you know, uh, Dr. Arden Berry, um, who is a, a professor at UBC, uh, also uh, is a cardiology uh, pharmacist. So they made uh, videos. Uh, he explained really the evidence on it and the recommendations, of appropriate recommendations on those uh, blood pressure. So I really appreciated that, and that I, you know, helped me kind of explain to patients like what, why, why they shouldn't stop their ramipril. So that was a difficult thing. Um, so yeah, what else did you guys tell the patients? Did you guys say the same kind of thing? It was, you kind of had to just stay on top of things, like this is the evidence this week, and try to have that conversation with the patient that science is an evolving wheel, and what we know today may be completely different a week from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I basically did the same. I told people to keep, uh, basically keep everything the same, um, you know, and that just to keep checking in. Um, but I try to keep in touch with, you know, like uh, reputable sources with uh, like, like, um, you know, r- reputable literature sources as well as like, you know, friends and colleagues like like Euphorus, um or like um, and other classmates. And we always talked about it. So, um, you know what? I actually never had a, a, a patient come in telling me that his physician told him to stop his blood pressure medication. Uh, yeah, the physicians around town were actually trying to uh, demystify some of those myths, which was helpful. Good That's, for them. Yeah, for sure. That's actually awesome. Um, yeah, I honestly, yeah, 
definitely have to say that I had some pa patients who came in and just kind of, you know, say like, yeah, I need to stop this or I've been told to stop this. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, but hey, uh, how do you think this uh, message was received by patients? Which message, like the, the, the hype around stopping NSAIDs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. NSAIDs, um, Ramipril, or even like hydroxychloroquine, you know, and azithromycin. What did you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, let's say you're elderly, you know, you've worked in finance your whole life. You don't know much about medicine. Um, and, you know, you, you get scared. You you think, okay, I have a few years left. Um, I, I, I want to have those few years. I don't want to... I don't want to die from COVID, so I'm going to stop my blood pressure medication. So I can, I don't know, if you if you jump in their shoes, I feel like, um, um, I feel like it, it's warranted. So it, it makes sense. You, know, you can't really get mad at them. Um, but the best thing you can do as a healthcare professional, just ask them what, like, where did they hear it? And just tell them that, you know, like tell them the truth fair no absolutely that's what we're supposed to do okay so yeah every week there was a new little challenge um so the hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin um the stopping NSAIDs and ibuprofen stopping your blood pressure medication it's been pretty chaotic i guess we all kind of handle it the best way we could mm -hmm. and i'm glad you know other bodies came up uh with uh better evidence on on supporting some of like supporting not stopping some of these things or supporting the fact that there's no evidence for hydroxychloroquine or azithromycin um so that was really good um amongst other things like that one of the things that really bothered me was the message that came across from our uh, health minister agent dix so the message was sort of misleading it came across as if patients did not need to see a physician to get a prescription renewal i personally had to do a lot of educations to patients in the community about what pharmacists were allowed to do in the province oh, of yeah. British Columbia. So, yeah. So first and foremost, in Canada, uh, different provinces, you know, have different uh, rules and regulations. Uh, if you're practicing in a particular province, you'll have to pass the provincial exam. As of right now, all provinces except BC have some sort of a scope uh, in place for either approved or pending for pharmacists prescribing in the community. So... In British Columbia, we don't have this right now. Um, so, Coco, can you please tell uh, us about uh, what pharmacists in BC can do when it comes to prescriptions, like specifically prescription renewals? Yeah, so um, the most basic thing that let's say you don't know anything about, uh, well, I mean, let's say uh, the most basic thing that, that has the least amount of li liability be behind it for you would be an emergency supply so basically uh you can use it under your own discretion you can do basically any medication um as long as there's history of it because it is emergency supply um mm -hmm. so right so wait uh, before going too too far into this so um an emergency supply and a prescription renewal are totally different right, things. right, right. so in pharmacy in, in British Columbia, pharmacists, 
uh, we have the authority to do something called adaptation. So in adaptation, we can do a renewal, we can do a change in dose direction, we can do a substitute therapeutic substitution. Now within those um, things that we can do, like change or renew or uh, substitution, there are specific regulations behind them. So we can't always do a substitution for every single drug. So there's a therapeutic category that we are allowed to do substitutions for. For example, if it's ramipril, for example, and you can't tolerate ramipril, then, you know, uh, we can change it to something else within that class. Um, but then again, that's not every single pharmacist are going to do it. Only the ones that feel uh, comfortable, they can do it. Uh, whereas an emergency supply, again, it's the exception to the rule. It's where you're in a jam, there's no new prescription or the prescription has expired or you haven't been to this pharmacy before um, and you need some drug and we, we can try and give you an emergency supply until you can go see a new physician or f somebody else who can prescribe it to you. Mm -hmm. So those are the main differences. Um, so yeah, pharmacists in British Columbia, when it comes to prescription renewals, what are the things that they require? I'm going to pass this one to Monique. So what are the other rules that they require? Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Well, all, all these have changed with COVID. So it's hard It's hard to keep track of all the requirements. That's a good um, point, but actually. For sure. The, yeah. Uh, so before all of this happened, uh, before all of COVID and everything started changing, you needed the original. Right. So if the... If, you had had the prescription transferred to another pharmacy and they did not have the original piece of paper that the doctor physically wrote on, uh, they would not be able to do any Wait, of those Wait, has that changed? It has changed. You can adapt a transfer now. Right, right, right. You, you can adapt the I transfer. I did not know this. Right. But um, so going down to the renewals, specifically renewals, um, things that uh, you had to have was um, that it had to be a chronic medication. It cannot yeah. be an amoxicillin that you took in 2015 right. uh, or uh, some sort of thing. So it has to be chronic medication and it cannot be a medication that is a, what we cl classify them as a psych medication. Um, unless you're in an interdisciplinary team that mm -hmm. deals with that stuff. So most of us in the community do not have that. But yeah, so it has to be a chronic medication, like a blood pressure medication, a... Um, uh, cholesterol lowering medication that you that has to basically have not been changed the dose has not been changed in six or more months mm -hmm. um, and uh, you have to be taking it you know chronically and the other thing is that most pharmacists would the would have to feel comfortable in renewing it so that's how prescription renewals happen in BC now the message was that you know, oh, you don't need to see a physician. Pharmacists can renew all your medication. Pharmacists can prescribe anything. Oh, God. I would honestly, I would love pharmacists to be able to prescribe anything. Oh, God. You know, like they do in Alberta. That'd be great. Give us that right. But don't don't just say that, you know, Without we can't do it. Right. Give mm -hmm. us the right. Yeah, we want the right. We want to get compensated for that. And we... We want to be able to do it. We're more than capable. Um, and, you know, along with that, give us lab work like they'd have in Alberta. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we're definitely... Anyway, I was really frustrated. I, and, you can, and you can hear in my tone, I'm yeah. still frustrated. Yeah. Um, how, do, how did you guys react to that? 
Uh, it took a lot of education. Uh, we had a lot of patients coming in who would just be like, oh, you can prescribe me my oxycodone now or my amphetamines or my Ativan. And it'd be things that weren't chronic mm-hmm. medications, that, as you mm-hmm. touched on already. Um, maybe Oxy that they hadn't been prescribed since, again, 2016 or But even even ago, Oxy, yeah. which is... Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but even Oxy, which is... So we cannot do controlled or narcotics so we mm-hmm. cannot adapt that we cannot renew those we cannot adapt that and that makes sense yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so for sure no it was, it was yeah so coco did you have the same kind of reaction as monique um yeah definitely i was pretty i mean another thing like um so my boss did give us the heads up so we knew but yeah there were people just coming with a vow and just like slamming it on the counter and saying okay give me some give me a month of this and a month of this you know that's that's the same kind of i don't remember if that happened to me but i i totally understand and, and even now i get frustrated about thinking about those things and and i, and I honestly want to say like it was it's not everybody a lot of people have been very nice there have been those few ones where they just act like that and i'm like you would not act like this with a physician why would you act like this with a a pharmacist like why uh it burns it burns me it grinds my gears (laughs) but anyway but so uh moving right along oh go ahead sorry um, you got something to say but you know what like to to be honest like once you actually try to educate them like tell them about it that you, you know this cannot be done uh this can be done uh most of the patients were like, okay, you know what? Thank you for that. And uh, I guess I was wrong. So, mm-hmm. so giving them their yeah. options at the end saying, I can't do this. This is how it, the process should be done. You can choose from options. Yeah, exactly. So pe- people are actually yeah. pretty understanding. Like I really didn't have much issues with that. Mm-hmm. Fair. No, that's absolutely true. Like I was saying, it's not everybody. It's just some that really did not when, you know, take it well whenever I told them that, you know, I had to educate them and kind of go over exactly what I'm going over right now. Mm-hmm. They didn't respond well to it. But, you know, it has stopped now. But in the beginning of that COVID-19, wow, it was like every second person I would have to tell them like, no, this is not the case. And like I said, people try to, like patients try to like force us to do emergency supplies on inhalers that they haven't used in in forever. Mm -hmm. That was just kind of unethical. So I, I, again, had to educate, explain, and just let them know. But everybody's panicking, right? So I get it. I get it from their side of like their point of view. And it was just, it was was a mess. It was a mess, to be honest. That's all I can say. You know what, though? Like... uh to be i'll have to be honest but yeah we we did some of that to be honest like patient comes in for sure i have trouble uh, breathing and i'm like i can't hear it but they have trouble breathing they had an inhaler more than a year ago but you know COVID is here so i'm like okay well uh sure i guess we'll do it for you yeah yeah for sure i think we have to defer to a professional judgment at that point where it's like what are you going to do if it's an actual thing but you know that's why we we got our licensing that's why we got our certifications and that's why we're healthcare professionals we handled each individual um patients on a case-by-case basis right yeah yeah for sure um so moving right along uh we are currently in the process of you know living through history um 
you know, a time in history that will really be defined as a, is this something to remember for sure? Uh, I know that there might be many ugly moments in this time, but if you had to pick one, just one, what would you say is the ugliest moment for yourself as a community pharmacist? Monique, I'll defer you to this one. Your ugliest moment during COVID-19, go. Uh, well, it didn't actually happen to me. It happened to one of my coworkers uh, during COVID when like you're, you're trying to go back and forth as fast as you can, trying to help as many people as possible, sometimes doing intake, sometimes doing outtake. Uh, we do sometimes the counseling at outtake. And so there was a patient waiting for a consult on antihistamines, and um, they were getting very, 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 very impatient <laughs> waiting for um, my coworker to be able to get a chance to physically get over to them and do the consult for them. And by the time that she did, uh, the patient just yelled at her, you're too late now, and took all of the boxes of antihistamines that she had been holding wow. and physically threw them straight at my coworker. Wow, that's that's not okay. That's not okay at all. No, especially in wow. times like this. Wow. Like, uh, it's not like we as pharmacists aren't going through the same thing. So, mm-hmm. for sure. And what about yourself? Do you have a ugly moment, Coco? If you have to pick one. <laughs> I, I I do. So it was actually it was actually pretty hilarious. Well, it wasn't hilarious at the time because there was a guy. I worked the morning shift. A guy comes in. He's like. I want nine months. We're like, no, that wow. looks are like, yeah, that's not gonna like we can't do it. How? Like it's how? not. How? Yeah, and he's like, okay, six months. And I think at the end he's just like, look, you have to give me three months. I'm like, no, sir. Like right now it's company policy. Like we're only giving out a right. month at a time. We really don't have stock. And he wanted um, like twelve inhalers or something like that. Something ridiculous. I know. Oh my god! Did you did you even have twelve inhalers in stock at that? We did have. We did have some. Like we had twelve probably, but twelve for the entire town, you know. Uh, So then um, he, you know, he told us that he's uh, he has no disposable income. That we were crooks. He started yelling, uh, and basically, I just I just asked him to leave. He's just like, okay, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. I'm like, that's totally fine. Uh, Yeah, no, that's um, that's it. So everything was fine. And then I see him in two hours. He's running back to the pharmacy. And I'm like, what now? Uh, So he actually came back with a letter of apology and uh, the biggest box of Timbits you can have. I know. Wow, that's Uh, nice. Obviously, we couldn't take the timbits because <laughs> right COVID-19 uh, of course but, yeah y- you know we're like sure we'll take the letter um but yeah fair, he was fair. just like look oh, that's I, nice that's I'm a nice gesture so sorry I was just I'm so scared and my whole family's scared and I don't know what to do and um, yeah I think yeah. I think that's and definitely for sure I think uh we all had patients like that who were just overboard and yeah uh, I, I myself had a similar kind of experience where uh, I think one of the assistants uh, were on the phone. They were just getting yelled at and, you know, I, I took the phone. And so I got basically destroyed on the phone. Um, but at the end of the day, it wasn't even like something that, that was totally out of our control. Apparently, 
we didn't successfully transfer a prescription, uh, which wasn't true. We transferred it twice. Um, and then the pharmacy received this prescription much later. So they ran out of the inhaler. I mean, you know, I can talk about it back and forth. Why didn't the other pharmacy hold on to it? Why didn't the other pharmacy call us? I mean, we did transfer it. It was successful that twice. But anyway, yeah, but you know, anyway, it was just like the, uh, and I get it. She, she, the mom is just extremely like scared because it's her, it's her like three-year-old child who has asthma who needs this medication it's COVID-19 and mm -hmm. you know it was just a lot of like anxiety and uh, at the end of the day you know I'm a healthcare professional and I kind of told her like you know you can't be behaving this way um, but I did have a solution where I adapted the prescription I obviously canceled the transfer I adapted the prescription so that we would come up with a solution and uh, we solved it and you know it was the uh, father who came and picked it up they apologized and you know at the end of the day i didn't take it too personally because it is a really it was a really no, scary time yeah really mm -hmm. plus it's a little it's a kid right so for sure even if mm -hmm. it's not you know but it's just you can't take it personally you do have to have that mindset that everything is everybody's scared and i think that's what most people we kind of just like put away our our emotions and stuff on it and we just kind of got to work so for sure. Um, uh, any before, other thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, before we move on, um, I just wanted to take a moment. Like, I know we've spent a lot of time in this episode concentrating on the bad or what frustrated us during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually really important that we take a moment to concentrate on some of the good stuff that happened. Because if, if we just focus on all the negatives I and mean, that's all we're going to remember out of this like there was a lot of beauty that there were moments for during this time and if if we don't take time to acknowledge it they, they might get lost yeah for sure honestly for me i remember just like a lot of people coming in and thanking us for being open for doing what we did mm -hmm. uh i even had i remember seeing a patient come in and bring us like a cooked chicken like a whole freaking chicken <laughs> Yeah, so that was awesome. Oh my god! Um, yeah, Faruza's favorite yeah. cooked so chicken. There, of course, of oh, course, of course. So good. But no, that was, that was just you know one thing. But uh, I really liked also like other companies like uh, McDonald's. Um, you know, even if it was just like a hot cup of coffee uh, for healthcare professionals. So that was really cool. Um, just being acknowledged um, as a healthcare professional, being out here doing what we did. Mm -hmm. uh, was was really was really moving and was really nice and as a brand new grad that's kind of now what I wanted you know to be recognized what about yourself uh, the kindest thing that uh, a patient did is um, it was actually a church um, that had volunteered to uh, create reusable masks and they brought in a couple of different bags so that we had uh, a stash that the entire company like all the employees there could use because at the time um i, I really appreciated it because all of my sewing stuff was back in Kelowna and i didn't have mm. access to it because i was trying to isolate myself from my family um i was i was the only one out of my entire family working for a bit so i didn't want to be going back and forth and so yeah. like i did not have access to supplies we didn't have any masks and so i like i was feeling quite vulnerable 
Mm-hmm, for sure. So to have somebody come in and give us reusable masks, like it was, it was, we, we appreciated it so much. Thank you if you're listening. For sure. And what about you, Coco? Any highlights of like, you know, one of the good, good parts of this? The good parts of this. You know what? Like people, I think, uh, well, especially in Fort St. John. So because the hospital is such a big part of seeking healthcare, like having, being, um, like when someone needs access to healthcare, they either come to the pharmacy, you know, they see their family doctor, or they go to the hospital, basically. So um, the pandemic hit, and people were really reluctant to go to any medical clinic. They were really reluctant to go to the hospital, but they felt much more safe in the pharmacy. So, mm, yeah, like makes, a lot yeah. of people came to the pharmacy to seek advice and a lot of them actually started to see value, like, you know, like a lot of people see value in pharmacists, but a lot of people that hadn't before now yeah. actually were like, wow, they were rethinking that. They were like, so, wow, I can. Right. So you're, so you're yes, yeah, so, sorry. So you're basically describing, like you shift. know, like, oh, what pharmacists, yeah, a shift in no, their so thinking. I Absolutely. Think we're going to definitely thing that happened to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, I think we're going to touch on that a little bit more on our two or three mm-hmm. parts of this episode. So I won't go further in that, but yeah, we'll definitely revisit that. Uh, but if that's pretty much it, I want to say, you know, um, there we go. You know, folks, we, you, you all heard it here first, uh, our <laughs> thoughts as new community pharmacists on how it was for us at the start of COVID-19. So in part two, we will reflect on the impact that flattening uh, the curve had and how things are slowly reopening up. Uh, we definitely want to thank all essential workers and other healthcare workers out there who put themselves and their families at risk to serve our community because, you know, they didn't have the option to stay at home. They have to be out there just like us. So we want to thank you guys. Thank everybody for doing it. And you know what? Uh, part one here is done, but stay tuned for part number two. It's coming up shortly well it has been a lot of fun till next time keep your cups full my friends and as always thank you for listening if you found this episode helpful please share for any feedback please email us at pharmacy and coffee at gmail.com and remember this podcast is intended for educational purposes for any personalized medical advice see your pharmacist and for my community pharmacists out there you have the skills and the knowledge to make a difference don't be a pill barista <laughs>